The internet is full of advice, and we here at Whistle Realty Group are no different. Today on the podcast, I challenge Kyle to give me the best and worst advice he's ever received, and also the best and worst advice he's ever given. I was really interested on about the uh, best advice he really gave, because it's great for realtors, whether you're brand new in the business or you've been in it for 20 years. I think he really gave something that, although it goes back to the basics, really solidifies and, and can help you grow your business exponentially in the next few years. And the worst advice, I was really surprised on the direction that he went, seeing of all the things we put out and all the things we say. I was really kind of surprised at what he said, but I 100% agree with him of giving context, that being the worst advice. Welcome to the Whistle Way Podcast. Welcome to the Whistle Way Podcast. My name is Kyle Whistle with EXP Realty in San Diego. And I'm Brian Kochi, Director of Marketing here at Whistle Realty Group. What do we got on deck today, Brian? Today, I we were going through the Facebook group, and uh, it was really a fun activity. We were asking people to um, share open house tips, but bad advice only. And the, the advice was hilarious. And so I really loved it, which got me thinking, I wonder what people actually got as bad advice. Um, and so, Kyle, I want to t- talk on today's podcast the best and the worst advice you've ever given and the best and the worst advice you've ever received. I feel like there's a lot of thought that goes into these. These are these I told are you like, like 10 minutes ago easy, to get started. Easy, off-the-cuff questions. All right, well, let's, let's do top of the mind. Uh, what comes top of mind first, best or worst advice? Let's talk about worst advice you've ever received. I'm uh, trying to. There's this one moment that doesn't exactly tie into this, but it it ties into. Hopefully, this is advice for you. Um, really, make sure you have a confirmed showing appointment before you go to a showing. Ooh. Just because you requested a showing doesn't mean you have a confirmed showing. And I showed up at a showing with a client, opened the door, and got to see a show. Um, (laughs) it was pretty entertaining and we came in discreetly like we weren't loud about it because we thought we had an appointment even though my appointment was never confirmed so we opened the door and this nice young couple was getting after it and it was just like my client is absolutely horrified as we opened the door on two people getting it on my my story of that isn't nearly as fun but Twice I went to photograph the wrong listing. Both times the address was correct. Both times the listing agent was Kyle Whistle. And I literally knocked on the door. I'm like, I'm here to photograph your house. And she goes, no. I go, what do you mean no? She goes, across the street. That's, um, oh, geez. And then the other time I went and you told me, oh, just go in the backyard. The gate's unlocked. Like, you're good. Uh, I knock on the door, ring the doorbell, uh, try no one's home. I go to open the gate and there's like a dog barking. It was got a beware of dog sign. I step back, took a couple photos, and you're like, what's this? I'm like, that's the address. You're like, no, it's not. It's not the right house. I'm like, bro, you literally I zoomed in on the address. And I, oh, well, I meant the one across the street. <laughs> um, so I guess when it comes to clients, let's make sure we're very specific with that we have the accurate information, I think, is, is a good prelude into this. Yeah. But let's think about... I got, so I think this is for, as like a team leader, I think that, I don't know if it's advice or pressure that's put on us, but I think it all ties into the same thing as like, if you provide the agents 
leads, then the agents will come. But it's not that easy. Like, I think that that's, that's advice. I'm, I'm sure we've been given that advice at some event. Like, you just got to generate leads from the agents and then the agents will come. But like, leads is a very, very broad term. Like, what do you define a lead as? Because there could be the, the past client who I've sold, you know, I, I sold a client's multi-million dollar home a few years ago in Santa Luz and the client reaches back out, says, hey, I got this condo I need to sell. Like, that's a lead but I've already sold a multi-million dollar home for him and he's got an investment property just wants to unload. Like technically that's a lead that I can give to an agent. I could also buy a lead on Facebook for like $3 and that's a lead. Those are two drastically different leads, right? The conversion rate on, on my past client that sold a multi-million dollar home and just says, Hey, I need to sell this the conversion rate on that is damn near a hundred percent, right? Like it's, it's effectively be. a done deal that the agent I gave that to didn't close it. I'd have been pissed, right? Like yeah. let's just say it's 90%. We'll just go, we'll, we'll throw some margin of error in there. Maybe he changes his mind. Something happens, but the Facebook lead, the conversion rate on that is a fraction of a percent. And I know some people out there claim they're converting Facebook leads at a high rate. Fuck you. You're full of shit. You're not. Okay. I will challenge you and let's actually, I'll teach you how to pull numbers. Cause if you think you're converting Facebook leads at like 5% at scale, if you bought five leads and you converted one of them, okay, maybe, but if you've bought 500 leads, 5,000 leads, you're not converting. Nobody is I'm sorry. It's not happening. Um, so you can give both of those, but if I could give my agents a bunch of these hundred percent conversion leads or 90% conversion leads or a bunch of these fraction of a percent conversion leads, like, two drastically different experiences that I'm going to provide to my agents. But I feel like there's just so much pressure to provide a lot of leads to your agents. But what I found is that ends up doing more harm than good because now you think you're doing a good thing because you're giving your agents a hundred leads a month, which sounds really sexy on the surface, right? Like agents are like, Ooh, I can come over to this team and I get a hundred leads a month. But mathematically the conversion rate is less than 1%. So mathematically, you have to give them and where we're converting at full disclosure, like we're converting like pay-per-click leads at less than half a percent, like less than half a percent. That means I got to give somebody over 200 leads to get one closing, probably closer to 300 leads right now to get one single closing off pay-per-click. So what ends up happening is I give them all these leads. I think I'm doing a good thing. Cause I'm like, here you go, Brian, I'm loading you up, load you up with a bunch of leads. Well, what ends up happening is if you're a good team leader, you're tracking what your agents are doing. You're looking at their activities. What starts to happen in the beginning, I start giving Brian leads. He's really excited. He's getting these leads. But then what starts to happen is he starts to like fade on his follow-up. And now I see he's not making the calls. So I, Brian, what the hell is wrong with you? Why aren't you making your calls? Brian's like, what the hell is wrong with you? You're giving me trash leads. And we end up in this like vicious spiral where I'm giving him crappy leads. He's getting mad at me because of the quality of lead, I'm getting mad at him because he's not calling them. And it's, it's just a vicious spiral. So I think that you can actually do more harm than good by giving your agents leads, but yet there's advice or pressure that like, if just get the leads, the agents will come. So I don't know if that's exactly the type of answer you wanted, but that's where my brain's going right yeah, now. Yeah. I didn't know where we we're going to go with this. And that, that's some of my favorite podcasts. I'm like, I don't know how you're going to answer this. I, I want to hear this for the first time. So a, another way you can phrase that is, building your value so as a team leader building your value prop on leads alone or or low quality leads that will attract you agents don't get me wrong like if you put a, a post on social 
join my team and get 100 leads a month. You will get a lot of agents who want to sign up for your team. You will. But they're not going to stay with you. Yeah, Because they're not going to convert any of those. Like, we have the arguably some of the best systems in the industry, and we're converting at less than half a percent. Right? Like, if you're giving them to these agents and you don't have your systems and processes in place, they're going to convert at less than that. Mm-hmm. So you, you might take three months of giving them 100 leads, and in best case scenario, they maybe convert one of those. But, like, are they going to stay around that long? Like and After they do a lot of work, if they without getting discouraged of getting... No, 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 no. Because good luck finding an agent who's going to follow up with 300 leads consistently. Yeah. Like, good luck. All right. Cool. I like that. Yeah. What's what's one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received? The best is quit calling investors when you find a deal and be the investor. Ooh. Tell me more. Yeah. This was a... um, So I got into residential real estate in 08... And during that time, there was a ton of short sales. There was a ton of foreclosures, AKA REO listings um, at that time. And I thought I was like the hot chick at the bar, right? Like I get these beat up listings and I get all these people calling me, just like throwing themselves at me. Like, Kyle, I want to buy your listing. You can double end it. You can relist it for me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm the hot chick. Buy me all the drinks, right? (laughs) Like, I think I'm cool. I think this that I'm awesome. But what I wasn't realizing was like, at this point, it's, I know it's crazy to think about, but I would sell an investor a house for like $200,000 because that's how much they were selling for at that time. Um, so I'd sell an investor a house for two hundred dollars I'd get to double end it, but the banks didn't pay a whole lot back then. So I'd maybe get like 4%. So I'd get total, total 4%. So I'd make like eight k, And I'm like, hell yeah, I double ended it. Yeah. Woohoo. Sometimes I'd get the relist, so they'd buy it for two hundred. They'd probably sell it for four hundred. I'd get the relist, but they're not paying me a full commission. They're paying me like a portion of a commission, so probably get like one and a half percent. So I'm making like six. So I made eight on the front end, six on the back end. I made like fourteen. Fourteen thousand dollars. Fourteen thousand dollars, and I'm like, hell yeah, this is great. But the investor bought it for two hundred, spent thirty, sold it for four hundred. 170 top line probably netted 130 bottom line. Like they netted $130,000 and I got 14,000. But like, I think I'm, I'm the hot chick. Like I got this right. But like in reality, there's no reason I shouldn't have been the investor on those deals. Because what I've learned is if you have the deals, the money's easy to find. Like there's massive amounts of money out there everywhere. And even today when you have interest rates in like a CD account at 4%, which is the highest I've ever seen or that I can remember at least, they can put it into a CD at 4%. Or we just had a couple of people invest in some flips and, and I'll talk more about it, but they literally made 20% return on their money in 90 days. Annualized, that's like 80% freaking return. Or they could put it in a CD account at 4%. So believe me, there's a lot of people who are putting their money into a 4% account. If they can make 20% in a quarter or in six months, like they would do that all freaking day. 100%. So when I got the advice to stop calling investors and start being the investor. Then I started buying these flips. And now instead of making 14 grand, I was making a hundred plus grand consistently on all of these flips. And, and I think that there was just that, that opportunity out there and I'm doing it again today. Um, we had one recently that we got a call on and the person was fine selling it off market. They wanted, you know, one number and we said, Hey, we're cool with it, but we're going to sell this just so you know, and they said, well, we don't care. Just give us our number. We bought the property, cleaned it up, put it back on the market, selling it for you know one hundred and fifty thousand more than we paid for it with virtually no work. Like, 
I could have just listed it and made a listing commission off of it, but like instead we're making six figures off of it. So there's, there's that opportunity is out there. But the other problem we have is, you know, one, we get those listings and we call investors or two, we get the seller who says, Hey, I don't want to put my home on the market. And we're just like, you're an idiot. Why would you not put it on the market? Are you stupid? Like, you're not going to get top dollar if you don't put it on the market. Usually, you should use that line. It yeah, works like, out really well. But I tell you what, most of you, your body language, whether you say that or not, that's what your body language says. You like questioning them. Are they stupid? When in reality, you're stupid because you missed an opportunity. You had a seller who said, hey, I, I just want this thing sold. I don't want to go on the market. And here's my number. Give them their freaking number. If their number. If they're happy with that number... And you're upfront, you make it very clear to them that you're going to resell this property for a profit. Like if that's their number and they're happy with it, give them their number because you don't know their situation. I've, I've said this in a previous podcast, like everything makes sense if you have enough information. You don't have enough information to know why they want to sell off market. Like are they getting divorced and they don't want anybody in the neighborhood to know until the moving truck shows up? That could be it. Did they have a really bad experience in the past where their house got robbed during an open house? You don't know that. Like you don't know what they're going through, what they've been through to understand whether or not it makes sense for them to sell off market. But if you had that information, it would make more sense. So don't assume somebody's stupid just because they don't want to go on the MLS. Find out what their situation is. And if that's what they, they want is to stay off the MLS and they're willing to sell for a number and you're comfortable with that number, then let's go. So give me the, the 90 seconds of if, if I'm an agent and they say, here's my number and say, hey, Flipping it, we can do that for good. We can get good money from that. I don't know what I'm saying here. Um, but where do you find the money, right? My guess is hard money, right? Then do you hire a contractor? Do you build relationships with contractors? Do you say, hey, flip it and do whatever, and then I'll sell it? Like 90 seconds, what does that look like? Yeah, so the typical thing is going to be that you're going to you're become the sweat equity partner on the deal. You found the deal. You offer to manage the deal, which means finding the contractor, overseeing the construction, selling the property, all that. Like you're putting no dollars in, but you're putting a lot of time, energy, and effort in. And then you bring somebody in who's the check equity partner and they bring the cash to the table. And then you can offer them some sort of, uh, pers- you know, you could offer them a rate of return on their money or you could offer them a percentage of net profit, right? Well, you could play around. We've been doing a net profit uh, number on things. Back in the day, I used to have to give 50% of the net profit away. Lately, 20% of the net profit. And people are happy with that because if you annualize out their returns, it's exponential. It's 10x what they could get in a bank account if you annualize it out. So people are happy to give us their money. They don't care what the percentage is so much like of the net profit. It's, it's what's the return on the money to them. And if they annualize that out and they're making 30, 40, 50% return on their money, they're freaking happy as could be, right? And I'm happy. I make my money. They make their money. We're all happy. We all got what we want. They didn't have to lift a finger. It was passive. It was a beautiful thing. So you just tie the deal up and then you just shop it. You just send it out. You could put it on your social page. I have this property tied up. Here's my purchase price. Here's my rehab cost. Here's my after repair value. Projected net profit is this. I'm offering 20% of the net profit in exchange for a $300,000 investment. And you'd be shocked how many people you know, have $300,000 sitting around. All right. And it's just sitting in the bank. They don't know what to do with it. You're providing them a way to multiply it. And then how do you get the, how do you find the contractor? 
Just go on Craigslist or? No, I would literally post in a Facebook group with other realtors, right? Because realtors, they're going to, if they recommend somebody, in my opinion, they're attaching their name to that person. So I don't think you're going to find realtors recommending people they haven't used before. So go into your local real estate group and just say, hey, I'm looking for a contractor to help rehab a property in, you know, ADC land. And you will get recommendations from a lot of other people. And then when you, when you meet with contractors, what I like to do is just say, hey, what are the last three projects you did? for other, you know, other investors, because most contractors, if they are going to work for you as your flip, they've probably done other flips recently. They should be able to just give you three addresses very easily. They should be able to give you references. If you ask for them, um, they should have zero problem with that. So you could very easily go in and look at what did the property look like when it was bought? What did it look like when it was done? If they have anything that's on the market, go tour it. So you can see the quality up close too, because you don't know it's easy to make stuff look good in photos. Yes, so we have some guys who are good at that. Um, so I would go look at a few of their projects and I would talk to a few references. Cool. All right. So that's the worst advice and the best advice you've ever received. Yeah. What's, what do you think is the best advice you've ever given? Um, hmm. Best advice I've ever given. Let's talk about, let, let's narrow it down. You're giving advice to an agent who's been in the business for less than three years. Um, what's the best advice you would give them? Um, I would say the, the best advice, and this ties in, this was actually really interesting. So I just went to three cities last month across North Carolina. Um, I think between the three cities, there was like 500 people at these different events. And in every event, I asked people, how many of you would rate your past client follow-up campaign a 10 on a scale of 1 to 10? How many people raised their hand out of 500? Less than 10. Less than five. One. Zero. Zero. Because, because they're afraid them, they're going to they say me and they're like, all right, tell me what you do. That's a limiting belief. <laughs> yes. So there may be people who feel like they have a 10, but they don't want to say it because they're afraid they'll get called on stage. Either way, they don't have confidence. Um, I would say that would be the best advice I could ever give anybody that I have given to people is like, you got to treat... Every client, like they're your only client, you have to provide such an amazing experience before, during, and after that transaction process. Because if you talk to any agent who's been in the industry for 10 plus years, their number one source of business is their database. Like that's going to be their number one source of business is their database, which is going to be people they're, you know, going to work with, are working with, or have worked with. That's your number one asset in your business. That's a, actually a saleable asset. Like there's deals that get done for databases. So that, that database is everything. But it's what have you done with that database? Because if you just churned and burned and you've sold a ton of houses, but you took horrible care of people and you don't remember their names and they don't remember your names, it's worthless. But if you did an amazing job taking care of those people, that database will feed you the rest of your life. Like I could literally do nothing today and still do dozens and dozens of deals per year which you just do. <laughs> from the, just from the database of all the people I've worked with because I've taken amazing care of them and, and really focused on not just the before and the during but the after right I mean we're getting ready to do our summer kickoff event and we're you know talking about we have the car show that's here in La Mesa that's about to kick off and how do we integrate our clients into that and how do we do more charity stuff and tire clients and like so if you could just 
you know, the before and during, treat every client like they're your only client. And then after, you know, still maintain that, like still stay in touch with your clients and, and have a plan and, and put some attention into that. Because I've been in rooms of over a thousand people and not one person will raise their hand when you ask that question. And I think it's a huge mistake that a lot of realtors make because they're just not putting it in there. But yet I'll then follow up and say, all right, well, how many of you guys in the last year have spent money to add a new lead source to your business? Everyone. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a significant 70% more. It's a, well, 70% more. One is seventy uh, percent or more of the. Yeah, it's uh, a, a significant number. So what what that tells me is that all these people are, instead of figuring out how to love on their clients more, like why are you trying to build a house and when you don't have a ten out of ten foundation? Like let's make sure the foundation is a ten out of ten before we try to build on it. Yet everybody's trying to build before the foundation is solidified. So I think it's just, it's one of the biggest mistakes I see in the industry is people are too focused on the next lead and not loving on on the people that are already in their database. Um, really good. Now I want you to think back. You've been in the business for 20 plus years. Uh, you've done, uh, uh, you've done, I've been licensed since Oh five. 15 plus years. I thought you've been saying 20 years for the last I 10 years. I bought my first place over 20 years ago. Okay. Whatever. Uh, think back. You've done uh, commercial real estate. You've done residential real estate. You've grown a team. Uh, you've, you know, you've done all of that. What advice, if you looked back on any speaking engagements or, or podcasts, any one-on-ones that you've done, that either you look back now and go, ooh, that didn't age well, or if someone saw it now and go, whoa, that's, that's, that's totally wrong advice because it was a different time back then, um, what, what would you say the worst advice you've ever given was? You're gonna have to like stall because I'm trying to think. I want to. I, I talked for as give. long as I could. I, <laughs> I'm trying to think of of what I would say is like the worst advice. Um, oh shit! I'm sure I've given a lot of really bad advice. I mean, that's inevitable, right? What is the worst advice that I've given? I'm curious to see if Tom keeps this in the podcast <laughs> or just lets Kyle. Oh. He's just copy this and let it go for six minutes i can't think i'm trying to think of like something specific that i've said that people should do that hasn't worked um i mean in all honesty i think i've talked about social media and its importance in real estate too much i would say is is my best advice because or worst advice yeah Honestly, I think that's the worst advice that of any of all the advice. If I think like cumulatively of all the advice I've ever given, the the focus on social media is the worst advice I think I've ever given. And here's why. For every one agent you show me who's wildly successful because of social media, I will show you a thousand who are wildly successful from loving on their past clients or from going out and hustling and, and door knocking from making ex, you know calls, expired calls, circle prospecting calls that are out there at every networking event that are building relationships in the community that are doing farming. Like I'll show you a thousand of those for every one person you can show me who's wildly successful from social media. But here's why that's the sexy thing. Like that's what everybody wants to hear, right? Like we're all fucking lazy. We all just want to hit a button and have the leads come in magically. Like that's or what we all want. Or even better, we can schedule it or have, pay someone else to press a button. Oh, I mean, for how us. many times <laughs> do you see people like, "Hey, who can I hire to do my social media for me?" Like, get the fuck out of here! Like, 
that's it's hard enough to do it if you do it yourself. You think you're gonna hire a third party and they're gonna like imitate you? Like the the uh, best analogy I've heard about that was from Gary Vee, and he said people want to outsource their social media, and he goes, "You can't outsource social media just just like you can't outsource a six pack. You can't. I can't. There's no amount of money I can pay you, Kyle, to have me have a six pack. You can hire a trainer who who teaches you how to do it, but you got to do the work. So it's the exact same thing as social media you have to do the work if you want your results um and so and i i think what i like that you said that um i also think it's a little bit of a cop-out because you didn't say oh i totally messed up when i said to do this and we didn't do that but that's fair i i but i, I think this is context. an important point i, I actually yeah. went here because i want to prove this like i want to drive this point home because i just see right like if you just go through your feed of all that like i have all my subscriptions on youtube and it's constantly like how this realtor did this many deals from YouTube, from Facebook, from Instagram, from TikTok, like, but I'm telling you for every one of those, there's a thousand that are doing it the, the, the right way and putting in the work. But everybody wants that because they feel like it's the, the lowest lift possible. It's the least amount of work possible. They think that they're going to get that massive result. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I get a good amount of business out of it, mm -hmm. right? But I'm, I'm the exception, not the norm. Plus, I've put a massive amount of time and, and energy and effort into building it. But I'm telling you, overall, like, there's so many people that spend so much time. I mean, there's 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 agents on our own team, and I've, I've said this in front of them, and I'll say it here. There's agents on my team who post more Instagram fucking stories in a day than they make phone calls. That's a huge problem. Like, if you're posting more Instagram stories than you are making phone calls in a day, that's a problem. You need to change that. Like, this is a, a contact sport. You actually got to talk to people. You don't use the phone. For those of you guys that are on, on you're on podcast i'm holding my phone up you do not use the phone just holding it in your hand with your thumbs you put it up to your ear right or you connect to your bluetooth like we got to actually have conversations with people there's there's just it's impossible to have that same level of connection over text as it is over conversation and there's just way too much that's getting lost in translation i think a lot of people are really really missing the boat they're just relying because all the fucking content is around social media facebook tiktok all this stuff um I mean, show me the, all the TikTok years, like how many of them, I don't give a fuck how many views or followers or whatever it's called on there. Like, I don't care how many they have. Like, how many deals can they directly track back to that source? Like, I mean, let's be real. Like, I'll challenge, how, I'll challenge any of you out there. Like, show me how many deals you've actually done directly from TikTok. I want to see the actual message that says, like, I found you on TikTok. I want to buy a house with you. Like, I'll challenge you guys. Like, there's very, very few people out there in this entire, like, one point whatever million realtors, like... I bet you there's 10 that are like truly crushing where they could like attribute deals to it. But how many agents out there could attribute massive amounts of deals because of their past client campaign that they built or their farming efforts or, 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 right? All these other things. So I think that's, that's of all the stuff I've ever done, I think that's probably the worst advice I've given is just the stuff that too much of a focus on social media. Well, and I think where it, it comes from is, and I don't think you put, I'll, I'll kind of give you some credit there um, because yes, you put focus on there, but you've already have your past, your, your follow-up system built. You already have your uh, database dialed and you already have your past client retention system. You have these foundational systems in place and people are trying to skip over that to get to the next part. But without having that first part down, you can't skip over it. Uh, again, it's funny. I keep going back to Gary Vee. I haven't listened to him in a while. Um, but for the longest time, he was all about hustle, 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 hustle your face off, 
work 18 hours a day. But the, but he said the same thing is, I'm, I'm, I'm advocating for this hustle culture, but I'm doing that because that's where I'm going and that's the direction I'm headed and that's where I'm at in my life and because these are my aspirations. But he goes, if your aspirations are to, to play Madden and, and work 35 hours a week and make 40K a year and, and, and smoke weed on, like if that's all you want to do and you're doing it, you got it. You don't need to go farther. And so his thing was, again, same thing of, of like, he was pushing where he's going, um, knowing his context, but without knowing the context of what we already have built in place, what system's already done, of this is the cherry on the top. If people think this is just the cherry on the top, or th if they think that's the whole Sunday, it's going to be a pretty disappointing Sunday. I agree. Cherry's the worst part of a Sunday. The type of cherry they use is trash. That maraschino cherry. Yeah. They did the Luxardo cherry like they put in an old fashioned. Now we're talking. Never heard of that. <laughs> Very good. Cool. Well, hopefully you guys got some value out of the show today. If you did, if you're listening on a podcast, a podcast platform, if you could subscribe and hook us up with a review on there. That means the world to us. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the thumbs up button. Let YouTube know you're enjoying the show. Uh, if you have some questions, throw them in the comment section. Brian and I respond to those personally. And if you want more of our content, hit the subscribe button and the notification bell, and YouTube will take care of the rest. And if you have questions you want to have us answer on a future episode of the show, you can always go to thewhistleway.com, ask us questions on there, subscribe to the podcast or YouTube channel. You can join our referral network for all the people leaving California, which there's still a lot of. Um, and you can get dialed in with our uh, private Facebook group and our email newsletter where we share a lot of tips and tricks of stuff that we're working on. And before we wrap the show today, I want to dive into what we refer to as the whistle widget of the week. This is something we utilize in our business. It saves us time, makes us more money, or just helps us have a little bit more fun. This is something I found on TikTok, speaking of, and I thought this was a brand new thing. And after doing a little bit more research, I found it existed in more ways than not. And I also think this is going to be great for you realtors out there, especially holding open houses, especially as we're going into the summertime season. We're recording this in May. Um, and outside, we do a lot of open houses outdoors, evening, uh, sunset open houses, and that's when the mosquitoes like to come out. And if, there's, if you're in an area, especially if an area around a lot of standing water, that's where the mosquitoes lay their eggs, uh, you get a lot of mosquitoes. Well, I found out, about from again from TikTok about these things called mosquito dunks. They look like uh, about the size of a, a silver dollar, and they they're kind of like a little donut. And there's this. It's basically a bacteria that um, you put into standing water, and it gets released and kills uh, mosquito larvae before they hatch. I don't know if it's the eggs, it's larvae, it's something. It kills mosquitoes before they hatch, and uh, it's supposed to work really well. It's supposed to be, you're able to use it in plants, in uh, even like animal troughs, they've said. Um, they said don't put it in your own drinking water. But if you have standing water, if you have a bucket sitting by the front door, dump it out. But if you have animal troughs, you have a pond or something like that, mosquito dunks. They're pretty cheap on Amazon. And uh, I just bought some because we have some standing water in our drains. And we go out there at night and the mosquitoes uh, explode out of there. So um, that's my... Widget of the week. Cool. Uh, the one I'll jump into the all the rage over the last few months has been uh, Chat GPT, and people have been blown away at what it can do and how smart it is. Uh, but Chat GPT's got a little competitor um, know, by our friends over at Google. I don't know if you guys have heard of them, but Google's. Uh, how do you, you spell know, that? 
I'll Google it. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> their, uh, their version of this is pretty amazing, and it's fully connected to the internet, which the, the basic version, at least, of ChatGPT is not internet connected, so you're not getting real-time current data. Um, I believe the GPT-4 version, which is a paid version, you can be internet connected, uh, but this is, being that it's made by Google, is very internet connected, and it's called BARD, B-A-R-D. Uh, so you go to bard.google.com, and it is very, very similar with to ChatGPT, but you can get a lot more real-time uh, current data, and uh, the prompting is is pretty amazing. And so if you're looking for something that can be a little more timely and more relevant, I've really become a fan of BARD lately. Do they have a mobile app? Uh, it's just web-based, cool. just like uh, ChatGPT is. I wedge next week is going to be something else. <laughs> <laughs> cool, guys. Well, hopefully you got a lot of value out of the show today. Again, I'm Kyle Whistle with EXP Realty here in San Diego. And I'm Brian Kochi. We'll see you next week.